Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whoever to whomever and however you're listening to this. Y'all know I'm your host, Tavares Wilson, and y'all know I always get the last word. <laughs> what else was I going to say? Now, let's jump right into it, guys. Now, before I say anything, man, I want to say this first. My condolences and my thoughts and my deepest, sincere hopes and prayers goes out to the family of the loved ones who was killed in the accident, the fatal accident that occurred with Henry Ruggs. As you all may have known by now, he was involved in a car accident that unfortunately led to the death of a young lady and also her pet dog. And as well as his girlfriend was in the car, she wasn't, she wasn't killed, thankfully. But at the end of the day, I truly hope those families find a glimpse of light within these dark times. I will speak more about that later on in the show, but I just had to mention that first. I want to start off with NBA news as we usually do. And I had got a request to just talk more NBA, so I'm going to do a little more digging on what has transpired in the season so far. Even though the season is still extremely early and extremely young, teams are still finding their footing. Players are still finding their footing. But I want to talk about something that's been blankly obvious at this point. The rule changes has affected a lot of players. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. It just has. A lot of players are not playing up the part to the, the usual performances and the scoring outputs that we have seen from them in the past. And I know a lot of people are going to hone in on James Harden specifically for this. And rightfully so. I mean, he's a guy who is struggling. You know, despite the fact that KD is playing lights out this season thus far, I think he's literally just shooting under 60% from the floor this season, which is just unfathomable, man. I mean, this this guy is on a whole nother world universe right now in terms of what how he's playing, what level he is scoring at, and the efficiency he is scoring at. It's absolutely insane. But that being said, James Harden is definitely one that has been bitten by the new rule bug. But it isn't just him. Damian Lillard has also been bitten by the new rule bug. This Damian Lillard has been god-awful, if I'm being honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, for about the entire season now. Outside of one good shooting performance that I believe came against the Hornets. I could be wrong on that. But he, he's only posted one performance this season thus far. Matter of fact, no, it's two. I'm looking at it now. He's posted two performances thus far where he shot better than 50% from the floor. And that was against the LA Clippers. It was against the LA Clippers. And it was also against the Phoenix Suns. So... This is a guy that's struggling to find his rhythm right now, man. I mean, just look at the numbers. He's averaging 18.6 points a game, 35% shooting from the field, and he's 23% shooting from three. This, these aren't Damian Lillard type numbers. And you can say with the chalk it up to a bad start, whatever the case may be, at the end of the day, it's a problem. And the rule changes are starting to expose a lot of pure, quote-unquote, scorers that we all – once thought were just dominant scores. This is not looking at the case early on. Now, I'm not saying these guys can't adjust because at the end of the day, these guys are super borderline star, superstar players. But it is a bit concerning right now because in order for them to find their footing, I don't think they'll find their footing until maybe All-Star break, after All-Star break. But then you have to get adjusted to the new style of play that you want to play and the new game you have to play. And then when it comes playoffs, you're really not going to get calls. I mean, you're not going to get a lot of calls come to playoffs. They tend to let you play more in the playoffs. So it's going to be a hard adjustment for guys like Demi Lillard, James Harden, even Luka Doncic, Trey Young, Joel Embiid has struggled himself. Devin Booker, I mean, it's a lot of guys who are struggling right now with the rule changes. And it's also, as you all may have heard from Paul George, who ironically is having a good year, but he spoke on the fact that 
the Wilson ball that they play with now versus the Spalding ball that they play with forever, it isn't the same touch. It isn't the same feel. It's just, it's not, it's not the same, basically. And it's a problem because when you get used to playing with a set ball, it's like going to the same LA Fitness every day and you play with your ball all the time. The one day you forget your ball, it's a different feel. Now, at the end of the day, a game, a ball is a ball. You're going to play regardless. But it, that does not change the fact that it's a different feel. It's a diff, it takes some adjustments. It takes some, you know, different kind of postures to hold the ball, dribble, how hard you can bounce it, things of that nature. It just all comes part of the game. And again, it's not to make an excuse for anyone because at the end of the day, these guys are millionaires. They are professionals. And they, regardless, rule change, no rule change, new ball, old balls, it don't matter. You go out and perform, period. I mean, that's just what it is. So, again, it's early in the season, so a lot of these guys are still going to get a lot of passes because it is so little time thus far. So they're going to get, you know, a lot of leeway and they're going to get a lot of just, you know, passes in case, you know, people start wondering, was this guy fraudulent or is he actually the real deal and he's just in a slump? We'll see. I say by mid-All-Star break, we should have an answer for a lot of these guys. We'll see. Now, I will say this. Jason Tatum has also struggled as well, but that is not the only thing going down in the Boston's camp right now that needs to be addressed. And a lot of people have said this, and it's starting to seem like it's coming to fruition. Fruition, excuse me. They don't know who their lead guy is. They don't know who the singer of the band is, the lead singer. And right now they're doing the co-ed type deal with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It, it has to be, it has to be someone other than the other, over the other, I should say. Not to say either one is better, or to say that this guy is just a better player, or he's the better option for it. It's just simply put, who you want to play through. Because at the end of the day, every team has a player they play through. You look at the Wizards, they got Bradley Beal. You look at the Lakers, they got LeBron James. They're he runs the offense, who they play their offense through to is Anthony Davis, predominantly more often than not. You got the Nets, you got KD. You got, you know, the Bulls right now who are absolutely on fire. You got Zach Levine. You know, it's, it's multiple, multiple, almost every team in the league, if not every team in the league, they know who they want to run their offense through. Meaning they know the guy who they want the ball in hand when it comes down to the last second shots. They know the guy who they want to take those, you know, take the team to that next step in order to take a game. They know the guy that they want to run the offense through, meaning this guy's going to see the most looks. We're going to try to create him the most looks. We're going to let him ISO and get the mismatches and things of that nature. That's what that means. And they have not identified that guy yet. They're playing limbo with JT and JB, and they just simply have to make a choice. I don't think any one of those guys are overly prideful or egotistical to the point where they're going to say, you know, screw you guys, I'm the alpha, I should be the alpha, and if I can't be, I want to be traded. I don't think either one of those guys are that kind of player. And how I know they're not that kind of player, I mean, even despite Marcus Smart's comments the other day, I believe when they lost to the Bulls after blowing a 19-point lead, Marcus Smart basically held those guys accountable, saying that both guys want to shoot, you know, of course they want to shoot. They're not they they're not necessarily winning passes, but that is something that I have to learn, you know. Which is absolutely facts. He didn't say not one lie, so it's not. I don't think it shows locker room issues at all. I just think their issue is that they don't know who their lead guy is, and that is something you need to know. I mean, it just is. Cause it does it causes confusion not only on the floor but in the locker room. Like you, you just have to know it's that those things may not seem significant to a lot of people, but they are. Trust me, it goes a long way. Now with that being said, I already spoke about Paul George's comments on new NBA balls and things of that nature. Again, I just think his excuses. At the end of the day, you got to go out and you got to play. Paul George, he's an exception, even though he is playing well. He, he's he's giving guys passes and saying, you're going to see more air balls and 
badly missed shots and things like that because of the new ball. At the end of the day, guys, they got money. They can go buy a million Wilson basketballs and practice with them at home on their free time, literally every day. I mean, your your job is literally to be better at basketball as, as good as you possibly can be. Not to say it's easy, but it's also not the hardest occupation in the world. It's just not. And with that being said, there's some teams, man, that still are overly impressing me right now, man. I got to be honest with y'all. As it stands right now, the Heat have to be the overwhelming favorites to win the East. They, they just have to be. I mean, they're right now, they're on pace to be the, the best historically, the best defensive team historically. I butchered that at first, but they're on pace to be that. This is a team that is literally, I believe they're top three in every defensive category there is in the league. And in fact, this is a team where you look at once, a, once Vid Oladipo comes back, and if he is healthy, and he could be even 90% of the player he was in Indiana. So he may not be an all-NBA guy, but he plays at an all-star caliber of talent. That's still a really good defender, and that's still a really good scoring option. So you get five legitimate defenders on the floor, and you get guys who all aren't aren't ball-dominant players who can play off the ball and can play off each other. I mean, then just add on top, a lot of those guys can give you 20 a night, 25 a night. I mean, they're going to be a tough out. I know, I know a lot of people pick the Nets. I know a lot of people pick the Bucks to come to go back. But I'm telling y'all now, man, the Heat are legitimate threats to win it all. The East, that is, to win it all in, out East right now. The Bulls, same thing. I believe they are legitimate threats. I know they lost the night to the Sixers. I believe they lost the night to the Sixers. Last I checked, they were losing. But... Despite the loss, yes, they, they lost by five points. Despite the loss, this team is six and two. This team is he they have a, a tough stretch of games coming up. But this is a team that very well can compete with anyone on any given night. Simply put, when you look at their team, they can shoot, they got players who can shoot from all three levels, to score from all three levels. Zach Levine can score from anywhere on the floor. DeMar DeRozan jump shot mid-range is some of the best mid-range work and footwork you'll see in the league to date. Both very athletic. DeMar DeRozan still have enough athleticism to fly over a majority of people in our league. His, his three-point shot is actually looking a lot better than it did in way back when, if we're being honest. I'm not saying it's Steph Curry like anything of that nature, but it's definitely a viable option for him now, and it's something that he has definitely worked on. He just has. And on all honesty, man, once they get Kobe White back, because I heard, I seen rumors saying that they would think about shopping him. I don't think they need to shop him. Because if you could have a guy like that come off your bench, the pair alongside Alice Caruso, and you play either DeRozan or Zach Levine at the three, and you had those three guys on the floor without your other two big signings in, excuse me, Lonzo Ball or, you know, Nikola Vukovic, who they signed, I mean, traded for last season, who has been bad this season, per se. He's been bad. He only finished with a four-point total at the end of this game tonight. I mean, if, if he can find his mesh and start to gel in this offense, and they get Kobe White back. This is going to be a team that can put up points easily. And they can play better defense than they're giving credit for. So the Heat and the Bulls, man, I'm telling you, I mean, they have valuable options to make the finals. Do not be surprised if these guys, both these teams, go deep in the conference finals. Don't be surprised. Because the way they're looking now, it looks like they both have a really good to great shot. It just does. I'm not saying they should be favored, but as we st as it stands now, it ain't too many teams out east right now that you can say they can beat in the best out of seven. Now, with that being said, out west, the Lakers are starting to find a bit of continuity. I believe they've won five of their last six games. 
And the game they did lose, they blew a 25-point lead, which against an OKC team that only has one win on the season, which is against them. So you look at that, you just toss that up to a grain of salt. You didn't close out the game strong enough. You need to be better. There's no doubt about that. But you take that game with a grain of salt. This team is starting to build. I still think they need to figure out their, their formations in terms of the lineups they want to run. I think the defensive scheme they're running is not working. I'm not sure when Frank Vogel will figure that out, but he has to. Because if he don't, they're second-round exit easily. I, he, he just has to figure out the, the defensive matchups and assignments, how you want to do switches, whether you want to fight through screens, go over them, under the room. This is something that has to be discussed with the coach and his team. Doesn't seem like it's being much discussion. And outside of the Lakers, I think the Nuggets can legitimately win it all. I mean, especially when Jamal Murray comes back fully healthy. Again, Michael Porter Jr., he's another guy who's been struggling this season. Just signed a hefty contract. But at the end of the day, this is a guy who has shown he can put up points in bunches when it matters. And he gets better throughout the season. So I'm not worried about Michael Porter Jr. at all. But I know some guys are, as they should be, because it is a bit concerning. I mean, you just signed a $200 million deal, and you can't catch a you can't make anything. You can't drop a basketball in the ocean right now. It's just, it's just bad. <laughs> and these guys are going to figure it out. I have nothing but the utmost faith in them. All right, so that's pretty much my thoughts on the NBA. So let me go ahead and get into the NFL news. And before I get into any trades, I mean, not trades, any news about Deshaun Watson and Henry Ruggs, because I know those are two things people do want to hear me speak on. I'm going to talk about the rest of the trades first. Now, first and foremost, the biggest trade that occurred to me was simply put Vaughn Miller going to L.A. You know, I know Melvin Ingram went to the Chiefs. I just don't know how much of a difference Melvin Ingram is going to make for the Chiefs. I just don't. I mean, it's not me saying he's a bad player, but him creating two, three more pressures a game isn't going to fix the secondary. Is it going to fix your poor linebacker play? Is it even going to help fix the offense? The offense right now is, seems to be figured out. And I said last week, Andy Reid isn't prideful enough and he isn't proud enough to say that I'm going to stick to my guns because eventually it'll work. I think he's a guy that can look himself in the mirror and say, what I'm doing isn't working and I need to find something that could work. That's why you've seen Gore starting to get more of both okay. They put a bigger guy back there to take carries. They're trying to they're trying to keep the defenses the defense, excuse me, honest. They don't want them to play just two safeties high, double Travis Kelsey and double Tyreek Hill when it matters most and let the others beat us. That's that's literally how they're being played right now. And it's working. So it's can't argue with the results. They're struggling every game now. So they have to figure it out. And I'm glad to see that he tried to make an adjustment to it. It's semi-worked because if we're being honest with ourselves, I mean, if the Giants don't have a penalty that when Patrick Mahomes threw his second interception of the night, the game probably over. Now, I don't, I don't want to go off woulda, coulda, shouldas, but I'm just saying, it's that's, that's a bit concerning when you're a two-time back-to-back Super Bowl appearance team and one of the times you won and you're out here struggling against a, a Giants team that hasn't been successful in the postseason in years. So it, that is a bit concerning, if I have to be honest, if I was a Chiefs fan. But Chiefs, when they got Melvin Ingram, like I said, the Rams, when they got Vaughn Miller, much needed pass rusher. Him playing on the same line with Aaron Donald. Yeah, good luck the rest of the league, man. Seriously, good luck. Because I may think Von Miller may have lost a step or two, but this guy, you get him one-on-one with any tackle in the league, it's a mismatch. I I hate to tell y'all. So Von Miller to them. I know Deshaun Jackson was released by the Rams as well because they didn't find a trade suit or 
in time for him, which is unfortunate, man. I mean, DJ was back home, wanted to see him win the ring. Just didn't happen, man. He was thinking more about himself and his stats than the team. Because, I mean, man, there's no way you look at what Cooper Cup is doing and you just tell you, as a team player, you say to yourself, man, I need the ball more. This guy, takes he takes all the looks. There's just no way you say that. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to judge Deshaun Jackson for what he's decided to do to move on. It's his choice. At the end of the day, he's a grown man. He's going to do whatever he sees fits for him. Period. Don't have no issues with that. Now, I'm going to talk about the Dolphins first because I do want to speak on the Henry Ruggs situation last. The Miami Dolphins, as we all know, by now they failed to trade for Deshaun Watson. So what that means, just means for the rest of this season, Tua Tagovailoa is your quarterback. Doesn't mean you can't still go trade for Deshaun Watson. It just means Tua Tagovailoa right now is your quarterback as we speak, and he will be the remainder of the 2021 season, bearing any injuries, of course. And I was in a disagreement with a lot of podcasters about this and how they don't want the Dolphins to trade for Deshaun Watson because the bad PR, the assault, lawsuits, and things of that nature. I, for one, I don't care how honest, honestly, I don't care how anyone feels about this. All due respect, and I got to be honest with you guys. No, no, nothing has been prevented. Excuse me, I misspoke. Nothing has been presented, shown any evidence, anything to to even show why I should even demonize or turn this man into a monster. I'm I'm just not going to do it. When the case has been going on for months now, it's 22 women and nothing has been found. Not a single thing. It's literally just his word against theirs and 18 other women who came out and said Deshaun Watson isn't a monster. He's a really good guy. I'm not saying the guy did anything, and I'm not saying he's innocent. I don't know. I'm just waiting to let everything pan out. I, for one, did want the Dolphins to trade for him because, for one, with everything still going on with him, that means that you can get him at a discounted price because his future is unsure. Sure. But a guy who refuses to settle his cases because he feels that confident that he will win to me, that says a lot. I mean, I know a lot of people may not say that, but to me, that says a lot. I mean, a millionaire not wanting to pay his way out of something, out of a gym, when he has the opportunity to multiple times, it says a lot to me. It says a lot. And it's just, to me at this point, man, you just got to play the long game now. Because if he does, and the, the good thing about it for the Dolphins He's already made it known he only wants to play for you. So if if it stays that way and he just keeps his no trade clause only weighed for you, then you're just bidding against yourself. It doesn't matter what the Texans ask for. You can force their hand to trade him to you for literally just three firsts or two firsts. You don't got to give up no player, no picks, nothing. If you were to give a player, of course you trade to him, but you would hope to get something back in return for him, something good at least. So Deshaun Watson isn't going to be a mother dolphin. That's perfectly fine. You know, I knew nine, ten times it was going to play out that way because of everything legally. And just because the the front office, they're just incompetent. They're inept at making decisions at this point. Because they didn't make a single trade at the deadline. In fact, they literally stated this is a verbatim. This is what I I heard on another podcast, and they literally the dude literally said that they feel as if they have a win now team. I'm I'm not sure if these guys are aware or not, but we're halfway through the season, and you're one and seven. I'm not sure if they think the 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 wins go after the losses in the columns, but that's not how they work. You're not a win-now team. You're just not. You can convince yourself of that, but you cannot convince the fans, us, of that. Because we look at the product every day on Sunday. Tua can't even get guys lined up correctly. He can't even realize that a play is not being formatted correctly or guys are out of position because he clearly doesn't fully understand 
the play himself. And we don't fully understand the play himself. It shows when you can't get guys lined up and we are throwing routes that aren't there. I'm not blaming all that on Tua. I'm not. But what I am saying is coaching is a part of the problem, but Tua is also a part of the problem as well. I say it's a 60-40 split. Tua is 40, coaching is 60. The coaching gets a little more to blame for me because just to be bluntly honest, Chris, not Chris Greer, Brian Flores has done a terrible job putting together any offensive staff, period. It's been horrendously bad. The only guy who was good, which, again, I have to apologize to him again. I'm apologizing to him every week I talk about him. Because, honestly, man, we all owe Chan Gale an apology. I'm, I gave him hell for, quote-unquote, holding Tua back. And it's looking like Tua is just a check down Charlie. I watched the All-22. I see the routes that go downfield. He's not even looking. I'm not saying all of them are open, but he's not even looking throughout the games unless he absolutely has to. I'm sorry. The 20, 25-yard passes aren't going to be good enough. They're just not. The Mike Gazicki 40-yard pass, which he ran for the 40, ain't good enough. Especially when you're throwing it when you're down two possessions. It ain't good enough. It's just nuts. And he has to understand that at some point. Now, this is not me saying I'm giving anyone slack in terms of the front office and the coaches. Because I've already said on multiple occasions, all those guys need to be fired. I am done with them. I'm not going to continuously complain about the same issues. Because that's not going to do anything but upset me and just make me more, you know, angry about what I've already know. But what upsets me with Tua is that I expect better from him. I know the situation isn't perfect. I know the coaches can be better. I know the offensive line isn't perfect. But, guys, you know what? Don't let these guys fool you on these podcasts, okay? Whether it's Skaggs on YouTube, whether it's Dolphins Talk, whether it's uh, not even Dolphins Talk, because Kyle Traz actually said the line was pretty decent. Whether it's um, the same old Dolphins show, whether it's not Dolphins Talk, excuse me, there we go. Locked on Dolphin was the one with Kyle. Listen, regardless of who it is, don't let these guys fool you, okay? The offensive line had a decent game. Tool was sacked twice, he was hit four times, he was pressured 17 times on 39 attempts. I know that ain't 17 person on 39 attempts. I know it's not something to write home about and brag about, but you'll live with it against the best defense in the league who absolutely slaughtered you the first matchup. You'll live with it. With only four QB hits, that means he's getting hit every 10 throws. You will live with that. You just would. Because that is a, a decent performance to good performance for this offensive line. It just is. People can make all the excuses they want about the O-line they want to. Dougley Durong is another one to get to this. It ain't on the O-line this time. You can blame the O-line all you want to. I've seen players with two had opportunities to sidestep, step up in the pockets, and he ain't do it. That is a problem. And why is it a problem for him specifically? It's because this was supposed to be a strength coming out of college. That is my issue with it all. The strengths he was supposed to have coming out of college is not showing to be strengths. The IQ has not been there. It's not. Even last season, he admitted, literally admitted, he did not know the playbook as well as he wanted to know it. And it showed. Because he did not run the same offense Fitzpatrick was running. He does not have control of the huddle like Fitzpatrick had. Even this season. He clearly does not fully know the plays when he can't even get guys lined up correctly and Mike Gazeki is the one doing it. And he's out here throwing the wrong routes. Regardless if you want to say it's on the receiver or him or not, that is still a huge problem all across the board. Because at the end of the day, it's on you as the quarterback, you're automatically a leader, whether you want to be or not. It's on you to get those guys in the right spots and tell them where they need to be better at and to be better at. Those guys, of course, should expect better from themselves. They're grown men who get paid good money to play football. No one is excusing Matt Collins. I'm not. 
But I've already said on multiple cases, I don't care if Matt Holland is an energetic player who plays a good synergy. He does not need to be on the field. He's not good. So when Matt Collins go out and makes a mistake, I expect him to because he's not good. I believe Tua is. That's why it frustrates me more with him. At the end of the day, he has to be better. Period, point blank. Dolphins, I've lost all hope in. I was highly irritated that he didn't even trade anyone at all on the deadline. I wanted him to move on from Devontae Parker. I wanted him to move on from... Honestly, Xavier Howard at this point, even though I was a huge advocate on re-signing him this offseason, I didn't that was before I thought didn't know we was gonna go one to six with him. If I would have if you would have told me two, three months ago, yeah, T, y'all gonna start off one to seven, I'm like, well, we need to we need to trade whoever we can and just, you know, get the show going again. Cause one and seven, you clearly don't need a lot of pieces on your team because they're not contributing to wins. So with all that being said, if if you get a good price for Zayn Howard, you move him. Period. Get a good price for Devontae Parker, you move him. I know guys saying that, oh, if you, you don't move him for a fourth or a fifth, you move him for whatever. On the fence side, I forgot the two gentlemen name, but I disagree with them. They said you don't move him for a fifth or a fourth. You move him for whatever you can get. Because at the end of the day, this guy is a walking injury. His hamstrings give out on him every four or five weeks in a season. He has egregiously dropped passes at times. He just really does. He is literally a one-thing, one-trick pony. He does one thing really well. He he catches contested passes extremely well. That is it. I'm sorry. You're not getting a second-round pick out of that. You're just not. And I don't know what fantasy world they live in. But they need to wake up to reality. The best you're getting out of that is a fourth. Maybe a third if a team is desperate enough to take an injury-prone, one-trick pony receiver because they either are really close and they're just that one receiver away from competing for it all. That's it. You're not getting anything higher out of him. And if he, if you do get anything out of, higher out of him, then I'll be the best trade Chris Greer has made in his life. They just would be. I'm going to be honest with you. Whoever would have made the trade, that would be the best trade I've ever seen. Now, with all that being said, Dolphins have to be better, period, point blank. I'm going to get into the topic of discussion that has been the past two days now. Now, before I get into it, Again, I want to send my condolences and my thoughts out to the family who did lose their loved one. The young woman who was 23 years old, I'm not sure of her identity, anything of that nature. All I know is she didn't make it home that night, that day. And it's it's so unfortunate, it's so sad, man. I, I know, I'm not sure if the family knows already or not, but I just know the the pain that they're enduring because I know what it is to lose a loved one. And and it's something I would never, ever wish on anyone in this world, regardless of what gripe I will have with anyone, whatever the case may be. But it's just, it's terrible. There's no other way to describe it. It's terrible. And for those who don't know, let me get into the story now. So Henry Ruggs, was driving, was supposedly drunk under the influence while driving, and he was he was he caused the DUI manslaughter murder because he was going 156 miles per hour. He ended up hitting this. He ended up swerving into another lane and he hit someone. And when he hit her, both cars wrecked. The girl ended up burning alive inside her car, went alongside her dog. And again, it's just, it's just terrible, man. And just think about it right now, it just really like, it really bothers me because it, it, it's some, it shouldn't be something that you should see transpire in this world. And before I say my next point, I want to say this. I believe wholeheartedly that Henry Ruggs should serve time in prison. I don't care if 
he gets the appeal of him proving he was not drunk while driving. I know they came out and said that he was two times above the alcohol limit and they found out the speed he was going. He had a gun in the car. I don't care about any of that. At the end of the day, he took a life. He needs to serve time. Period. Period, point blank. That's, that's, it's just that simple. Not only did you take a life, you harmed another life who was with you, with his girlfriend. She may still be here, which is a blessing in itself, but you still hurt her. You put her in harm's way. You put yourself in harm's way. You put every other person on the road that day in harm's way. You have to live with that, man. You got to own up to your consequences and live with them. You, laid your, you made your bed, now you got to lay in it. It's that simple. No one is ma- I know one is going to make you excuses. You're a grown man. You're 22. I understand you're not 40 or anything like that. You're not fully mature, but at the end of the day, you're mature enough. You know right from wrong. That's it. Serve your time. Pay your debts to society and to that family. And, you know, go from there. And I say all that because, again, no one is asking for forgiveness for him. No one is making him excuses. And no one is going to sit here and say that he deserves to get a slap on the wrist because I don't feel that way at all. And in fact, I think this will and should ruin his career. I think it's a slim chance he could come back from this. But I doubt that any team in the league will want to even be associated with him after all this is over, all said and done. Now... I said all that to say this, guys, and I caught a lot of heat for this. I caught a lot of heat for my opinion, but the one thing I told you guys when I started this podcast, the one thing I will not do, I will not lie to you guys. I, I just won't. It's, it's it's not in me to lie. I'm not the one. I'm not the ones who out here do things for clickbait. I'm not going to say things be just because I think it's the right thing to say, or because you know. No one else is saying that, so I'm going to say I say things because I genuinely wholeheartedly believe it. That's it. Period, point blank. I, I believe what I say. And I'm going to say this. Despite everything I just said about Henry Ruggs, I don't think he should be thrown to jail for the rest of his entire life. I, I just think that is in itself... It's not going to do anything for anyone. I mean, throwing his entire life away for the rest of his his existence behind bars, all it would do is bring pain and suffering to another family. That's all it would do. It doesn't bring back a loved one. It doesn't bring peace to the family who lost a loved one. And it doesn't make anyone feel better. Nobody. Yes, he deserves to let that sit and rot in him. He does. Because at the end of the day, he killed someone. That's what he did. Nobody else. But there are things in this world called second chances. There are plenty of people who are ex-criminals, felons, armed robbers, murderers, manslaughter, things of that nature, guys who changed their lives for the better after they served their time and paid their debts to society. This is a very possible thing. And again, I'm not saying he deserves a slap on the wrist, but what I am saying is he does not deserve to spend the rest of his life behind bars. Now, if it results to that, then so be it. Because at the end of the day, this is what you did. This is what you did. I can't defend what you've done. All I can say is that if you are given the time, like something where you actually come out and actually still do something with your life, I say you deserve that chance because you can change for the better. Now, that's not me saying that the family who lost the loved one shouldn't want to see him, you know, behind bars or if I'm being honest with you guys, want to beat him, him, their self, that's not what I'm saying at all. They have every right to feel that way. But him sitting behind bars for the rest of his life is doing nothing for no one, not even himself. 
And I just, and that's why I say the things I say. At the end of the day, again, I'm, I'm not excusing anything he's done because I think that's a misconception and a misunderstanding a lot of people are having when I say these things. I'm not excusing anything he's done. I'm not saying he doesn't need to serve time. I'm not saying he doesn't need to understand those consequences to your actions. And I'm not saying that he deserves to still even play in the NFL. What I am saying is this should not ruin the rest of his life. It just shouldn't. Will it? Yes, because there's no way he can escape this now. But he should not be thrown away in jail and the key thrown away forever. I just can't agree with that. I just cannot. When there are plenty of people in our world who have made amends with their sins and their wrongdoings and changed for the better. That's, that's, that's just how I see it. I mean, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that, and that's fine. I'm not... I'm not here to challenge anyone's opinion. I'm not here to change anyone's mind. I'm just here to give you what I truly believe. And those who may disagree with me, again, that is perfectly fine. I'm not going to judge anyone for their beliefs on the situation because at the end of the day, it is a very touchy situation and one that's just hard to even fathom. But at the end of the day, Henry Ruggs made his bed and now he has to lay in it. And he has to take his consequences as a man. Regardless of whatever they throw at him, he has to do it. He has to own up to it. I mean, this is a guy that lost his best friend the same way he just killed someone. He knows what it is to go through that kind of pain. He just brought that on someone else, another whole other family. He has to go through it. He just has to. And now... Uh, Let's get into the fan Q&A, guys. Let me go ahead and open up my Facebook app, and let me see if I can find these questions real fast. And again, guys, that is a touchy subject, so I just want people to understand that, that I'm not excusing anything Henry Ruggs has done. I feel as if at the end of the day he needs to be in jail, period. So this first question comes from Nan Martinez. Do athletes owe it to regular people to be role models and to contribute to society? No, they don't owe it to people to be role models and contributors to society. Do I feel as if it's the morally right thing to do and do you know what you should want to do? Yes, because I've always told myself, if and when I get money like to the point where I literally have an ample amount I would give whatever I can, period. Doesn't matter what it's for. I mean, of course it would matter what it's for, but whatever I can to help someone else day or put a roof over their head or give them a meal at night, if I could do that, I'm gonna do it. But is it, are, are, do athletes owe people those things? No, they, they don't owe anyone anything. I mean, they work to get where they was at. They don't owe no one, they don't owe someone a dollar. Because just because they have another dollar to give, that's not how it works. That's a good question, though. His next question comes from Bryant Phillips. Should the NFL start enforcing a zero tolerance policy for player scandals when the players are actually guilty, considering all the hate the NFL gets already? This is a really good question. Okay, so let me think about this for a second. So you're asking... Should they start enforcing a zero-tolerance policy for player scandals? I mean, I don't know. I just don't know how much more strict they can be because the NFL has already cracked down on a lot of things, even on the field versus off the field. Like, there's – I mean, if you, I, don't, I don't know if you all remember this, but it was a point in time where Josh Gordon was getting drug tested, like, literally every week. In fact, he failed a drug test because of a glass of wine he drank. I mean, it's, I get that alcohol is a, is alcoholic is a drug, technically, but, man, to fail a drug test because of alcohol and wine, when everyone drinks wine every day in their own home, in their own peace, I mean, I don't know how much stricter you can get because it, that is crazy. So I, it's, it's 
Can they crack down more? Yeah, because a lot of players are still doing a lot of outlandish things. I mean, I just explained one situation to you, but I don't know if it will have a, a greater effect. I, I don't think much change will come from it because at the end of the day, these are still grown men who live their own lives outside of the NFL. Same person asks, what are your thoughts on the current leg injury pandemic plaguing the NFL and what should they look to do to prevent these injuries? Great question, man. And the first thing I'm going to tell you is the turf. It's the turf. Tur it is proven scientifically that you, we, you can look this up. It is proven that more leg injuries, especially soft tissue injuries, such as hamstrings, you know, things of that nature, these things occur more on turf fields versus natural grass. I'm telling you, look that up. These things, this is a real thing. And to me, that is the first thing the league can do. I know, I believe there's still a, a, like a handful of natural grass stadiums in the league. But a lot of these practice fields, facilities, these game fields, these guys are playing on turf. That is the number one thing that is really causing these injuries. And I know a lot of people may just chalk that up to like, you know, bull jive, but I promise you, that is something that is a legit thing. Look it up, I'm telling you. Because it, it doesn't make any sense. If you think about it, when the advancement in medicine and technology and rehabilitation centers are greater than ever. Like, why are these guys coming back out and suffering from the same injuries? Tell you, man, look it up. The turf, the turf is a serious problem. Brian Phillips with a third question. Are the Chicago Bulls legit this year? And what do you think their chances of making it to the finals are? Like I said earlier, I do think the Bulls are legit. I think they are a viable team to win the East. I truly believe that. As it stands now, let me say that, because you never know what can happen. Injuries, you know, DeMar DeRozan can do his daily disappearing that in the postseason, and that's no slam against DeMar DeRozan. I love DeMar DeRozan as a player. I love his game. But let's just be frank about it. When it comes to the postseason, he shrinks badly. But if he... But that's why I said it's such a good thing that he's playing alongside Zach Levine. Zach Levine can be Zach Levine is their one. I know of late DeRozan has played better in terms of the numbers, but Zach Levine is their number one scoring option. Let's not get that twisted at all. He he is. But Zach Levine, he takes a lot of that burden off of him. And I think that's gonna help DeRozan a lot. There, but the chances of making the finals. I would have to say I give them a 15% chance right now. It's still early. They look good, but at the end of the day, it's still teams out there. It's still at least three, four teams that I can say out east when it all comes down to a best out of seven, I think they could beat the Bulls. So take that how you want, but it's a chance for them. It's a chance. It ain't a big chance, but it's a chance. Oh, fourth in a row, man. Brian Phillips asks, will DeMar DeRozan revitalize his career in Chicago? Just spoke about DeMar. He's having a good start so far. I mean, he tonight, even though in the losing effort, he dropped 37. He's been shooting the ball well as well. So he's been playing well. I mean, he he's never really played bad, if I'm being honest with you. He, yeah, he, yeah, he hasn't been the all-star that he once was with Toronto with the Spurs. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he was their literal best and only scoring option. I mean, outside of who? Patty Mills and Rudy Gay? Who else was there? I mean, when you when you asking him to do that much for a team offensively, I mean, it's a lot of ask for a player like DeMar DeRozan. I mean, he's, he's not LeBron. He's not, hell, he's not even a Paul George. It's not him. He's a guy who needs another player to compliment him or for him to compliment them. That's, that's who he is. And that's why I say it's, it's a bit hard to say that you know he's quote unquote revitalizing his career. I, I never thought he was a bad player. I just thought that in the big moments, he came up short more often than not. I think he has a chance to revitalize that, that reputation though. I think he could change that this season. 
Last question from Brian. What is your NBA Finals and Super Bowl picks for this year? All right, so I, I, I did this in a previous episode, but I'm going to do it again. So my picks this year for Super Bowl, I'm still taking the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. I think the Rams are the best team in the NFC. I don't see t- any team beating them when it comes to the most important games. I just don't. I think I think they're loaded on all phases of the game. I think they don't they don't have much depth. So if they do have a serious injury, it would be vital for them. You know, of course, God forbid. But man, they're they're starting twenty two. The twenty five players that they rotate in, probably the best in the league. If I'm if we're being real about it, probably the best in the league. And coming out of the AFC, I can honestly see the, the Bills coming out of the AFC. And it pains me to say that because I absolutely despise the Bills. Man, they got a number one defense right now. The offense, when clicking on cylinders, looks like the best offense in the league. Josh Allen has improved year after year. I mean, right now, the guy is what? I think he's, what, 16 and touchdowns, three interceptions on the season. I mean, he's he's playing lights out, man. He's 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 a guy that's going to take this team far, and they have a very, very, very strong possibility to be playing for it in February. So I take those two teams to meet for the Super Bowl. NBA Finals predictions. I did predict the Bucks to go back this year to face off against the Lakers. But again, it is too early to predict the finals. But I'm gonna give you the Bucks versus Lakers, even though I do believe the Heat will give the Bucks a run for their money. I just think when you have the best player on the floor, you have a bit of an edge in this best out of seven game series. And Giannis, to me, is the clear cut best player on the floor when those two teams meet. So I'll take the Bucks and against the Lakers. I just think the Lakers are too talented. Once they figure it all out, once they build their continuity, that team will be virtually unstoppable out west. Now, okay, let's get into the next question. I got to go to YouTube for this question. Now, by the way, guys, if you're not on Facebook and Instagram, I do post questions now on Snapchat and on YouTube. So always feel free to be sure to comment on the video that I upload on there. And, you know, simply put, you could ask whatever you want. Never NFL, NBA related. Now, this question actually comes from Snapchat. This is from Jimmy McFall. He asked three questions. He said, what can the Pacers do with a fully healthy lineup of Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, Chris Duarte, Sabonis, and Turner? Uh, I mean, I think their peak with this lineup is a six seed. I, Because th- this is a lineup with a lot of guys who have talent, but it's not really talent where they've shown you that they can take you far. The Pacers are doing the same old song and dance every season at this point. I mean, they don't really add big, big name free agents. They don't go out and make huge trades. They don't draft... They haven't drafted extremely well because they aren't too high to pick someone extremely good or great, but they aren't too low to the point where they can, you know, get that steal of the draft every year. Chris Duertes, I will say this, though, he looks fabulous. He looks good. I think I think he will be a really good, legitimate player in this league with time to come. Right now, he's a guy that's to me, he's favorite to win Rookie of the Year. Because last I checked, he's a guy that was leading all rookies in scoring, if I'm not mistaken. But that lineup, I can see them peaking to a fifth, sixth seed. I, I can't, it's hard for me to put them over that because, man, it's so many, it's so many good teams in the East right now, man. This isn't the same East that they were saying was the, you know, clearly the weaker conference. This is a, this is a good this is a good conference, man. It's a real good conference. Now with that being said, the next question was 
Also, who is your top three rookie of the year candidates and why? Okay, this is a good question. So, first off, I'm going to start off with Chris Dorites again. I think he's the rookie of the year runner, right, front runner right now. And I say that because it is. Simply put, he, do, he does two things that you're supposed to do in this league today at a high level. And he does both of them at a high level. One, he shoots the ball extremely well. He can shoot the lights out. I know he's only shooting about 44% from the floor, which isn't god-awful. You would like for him to be 50%, but 44% for a rookie, you'll take that. You'll take it. I mean, again, you wanted to go up, but at the end of the day, you'll take that. 44%, but he was impressive is he's shooting 43% from three. And that is, you're making a lot of threes, man, at a high clip. And he's a guy who's averaging 17 a game. If he could just get some of these inside shots, these mid-ranges to start falling and get he get to the line a little bit better. This is this is a guy who can legitimately he can legitimately push to, to a 22, 24 point per game player within the season. So I would, that wouldn't surprise me at all. My next guy who I want to mention, I think Scotty Burns, the Toronto Raptors power forward. I believe he's a power forward. He, he can play both forward positions. But I believe he's my second to him. And I say that because I think Chris Dorotes being a guard, he can create his own looks better. He can create for other people better. But Burns, is to me, he reminds me of Pascal Siakam. Literally, he reminds me of what Pascal Siakam is. Ironically, they're teammates. He reminds me of Pascal Siakam with the length, the unorthodox body movement. You know, he may not be the biggest guy on the court, but he still is surprisingly stronger than he appears. And he plays hard, even despite his lack of size. I love that about players. So I think he's my second guy. And third, personally, this the third guy is my favorite out of all of them. Evan Mobley. That guy is going to be special. I think Jalen Green may sneak into this race because I think he's a guy that's also going to be special in his own right. I mean, he he can shoot the lights out, folks. He got he has a strap. He can shoot the lights out. But Evan Mobley, I said this in my last podcast. I believe it was my last podcast. He reminds me of a young DeAndre Jordan. He runs the floor really well for a big consistent oop option or better rim protect than he's given credit for. He He's not the physically opposing presence that DeAndre Jordan is, but he plays with that same energy and verticality, vertical, that same vertical, I don't know, I couldn't get that word out, verticality, verticality. Oh, guys, I'm so illiterate right now. But he plays with the same up and vertical in his game. So I think he's a guy who can easily be in that same breath. And I think he's a guy that can sneak up in the rankings of these rookies of the year. So, yeah, that's my guy. Those are the guys I got, man. So last question comes from Michael Jackson on YouTube. <laughs> Rest in peace to him, man. But the question is, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Calvin Ridley Early's retirement? My thoughts on Calvin Ridley's early retirement, honestly, man, I'm proud of him. It takes a lot to walk away from a game that's paying you a fortune and fans who you know are going to drag you through the mud for leaving him behind, quote-unquote. But he took his he, – he picked himself over all that, and I am extremely happy and proud of him for that. And I can't – anyone who – Anyone who despises him or try to dismiss him for picking himself over a game, separate yourself from the people, folks. They're not the people you need in your corner. Trust me when I tell you that. So, long story short, I'm glad Calvin Ridley did it. I hope to see him play again one day. He was a special talent, is a special talent, really good player. 
But at the end of the day, if he wants to walk away from the game a year, year and a half, because he needs to gather his thoughts and find his inner peace, so be it. That's what's the most important thing in this world, finding your happiness. Let him do that. He has every right to do that. And he shouldn't be judged for it at all, either. But that's the end of the show, guys. That's the last of the questions. Thank y'all for tuning in to the show once again. Y'all be sure to like, subscribe, and comment to the channel on YouTube. Y'all remember on every single social media platform you can think of, whether it's Facebook, Indeed, YouTube, Instagram. I'm everywhere. Trust me. Y'all be sure to drop some comment. Let me know what else y'all want to hear. And if y'all like what y'all did here, please let me know, and I'll do more of that. So thank y'all again. I'll see y'all in the next one.